and welcome to the Being an Engineer podcast. Our guest today is Danielle Boyer. Uh, at a young age, Danielle recognized the need to educate children and teens in the area of uh, STEAM and created an organization called the STEAM Connection, where she continues to lead as CEO today. The STEAM Connection offers educational books, low-cost robotics, and online classes to help youth learn about technology. And I feel like, as far as Danielle is concerned, that is just the tip of the iceberg. So we're going to get into all sorts of interesting conversations. But uh, I'd like to start, Danielle, by by just asking you to give us a quick intro and kind of share your story with us, because it's it's such an interesting one. Well, hello. Thank you so much for having me. So my name is Danielle, and I'm an award-winning Indigenous teen who's recognized for my work as like an entrepreneur, author, activist, and inventor. I live in Troy, Michigan, and I work on bringing accessible STEAM, which stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, Art, and Math, to kids all around the globe. And what at what age did you uh, did you start your journey into to STEAM and technology and education? So I've actually been doing this for almost 10 years now. Um, I was homeschooled for most of my life. And I at our homeschool group, there weren't a lot of opportunities regarding STEAM and or robotics or anything like that stuff I was interested in. And I saw my little sister was interested in as well. So one time I saw animal puppets at Costco uh, and I was like, Mom, what if I taught an animal science class? And surprisingly, they let me. And I taught an animal science class for kindergarten students. That was an entire semester long. I went on to teach other classes, start a robotics team. And when I joined public school, the first thing I dived into was FIRST Robotics, which stands for Inspiration and Recognition of Science and Technology. Oh, I didn't know that. Is is this the FLL League? Yeah, yeah. So there's different um, like teams for different ages. So there's junior FLL. FLL stands for First Lego League. And in our state, that's K through third grade. And then there's FLL, which is First Lego League. And that's fourth and fifth grade in Michigan specifically. Then there's FTC, which is First Tech Challenge. Which, um, and that's a lot of fun. I love that. They're all middle schoolers, and it's my favorite age group to work with. And then there's First Robotics Competition, uh, which is FRC. And I joined two of those teams when I was in high school. Okay, so let's put a little bit of context around this. You said mm-hmm. 10 years ago is when you kind of started this journey. Yeah. You are a college student now, so I don't know exactly how old you are, but you're probably around 20. So that means I'm 19. 10 years ago. You're 19. Okay, yeah. so 19. So you were, what, nine years old when, when you started this? You started mm-hmm. teaching this uh, I was about class. 10, yeah. 10, okay. Yeah. Um, so that's crazy. You were 10 <laughs> years old and you started teaching. Uh, and And you have spent, I mean, literally 10 years developing your own skills in mm-hmm. uh, the technology space and and also helping kids to learn about technology through uh, the STEAM Connection. And, and maybe let's yeah. talk a little bit about that. Tell us about what the STEAM Connection is and um, what, you know, kind of the role that it plays in uh, kids and technology. So in working with robotics teams for a good portion of my life, and right now I actually mentor 35 teams, Um, I saw how inaccessible a lot of STEAM and tech resources were, uh, how expensive team fees were, how expensive robot kits are, educational kits can cost $400, $500 or more. And I saw that a lot of my students were not able to access those key opportunities. And I was like, robotics is very important for kids to learn through. 
because it's a project-based way of learning electrical engineering, mechanical engineering, and computer science in a very comprehensive way, right? Because you have to complete a project and you have to know the skills enough to complete it. And so it all started with designing my own robot named Every Kid Gets a Robot. And it's a robot that costs less than $20 and goes to kids for free. And I wanted to give kids robots for free and books for free and different resources where they could learn in tech, especially because I love tech, tech and robotics, and in a way that is really low cost or free. Let's talk about the Every Kid Gets a Robot kit or uh, Ekgar, I think, Ekgar, right? For yeah. Sure. Ekgar, uh-huh. Okay. Uh, tell me about the development of that, right? So I- I'm picturing you as, I don't know how old you were, 15, 16 or so, maybe when you had the idea and started developing that kit. Actually, I I think I was 18. Was I 18? Time is like weird when you're almost <laughs> 20 and pandemic times. Sure. Uh, but I designed it at the beginning of last year. Okay, so, so this is pretty recent then yeah. that you designed it. So January of last year, and that's the same month that I started my company, I released uh, six books, six children's books for free, and I invented and distributed the robot. So that was a busy month for me. <laughs> a busy month? I mean, that sounds like a year's worth of work that you crammed into a month. Tell me about <laughs> the development of this robot. Uh, how did you know? I mean, at 18, right? You, you haven't been to university yet. Um, mm. How did you know how to develop a robot? Well, I have loved robotics for a long time, and my dad's an electrical engineer, so he has taught me things like wiring diagramming skills. He's taught me skills in just general electrical engineering, and I've loved SolidWorks for a long time, so the computer-aided design software. Ah, So I was like, what if I made a 3D-printed robot? But I also wanted to make it all on one uh, chassis or the body of the robot. So the battery fits right on it, the 9-volt battery, the breadboard fits right on it, the motors, the wheels go on the front and the sides. And it looks like a little car, and the kids are able to assemble it, they're able to wire it and program it, and it's powered by an ESP32 development board. I was driven mostly by the tech and then designed my chassis and wheels afterward to fit the tech so that it was affordable. Um... But I designed it in SolidWorks and the wheels and the chassis. So there's four 3D printed components. And it's really great because that means people can make the robot no matter where they live. So is the idea that they purchase the kit, they get the electronics, and then they 3D print the parts themselves? Nope. uh, That is an option. But normally what I do is I just ship the robots out for free. Got it. And I put okay. on events and classes. Sometimes I'll partner with companies and we'll put on events and then we'll ship the robots out from there uh, to different organizations or I'll put on different classes and then give the robots away from there. But the robots go to kids for free. And I've sent out over 4,000 in the past year and a half, which is crazy. And I also have an online platform where people can download the robot parts and they can download like all the STLs and have links where to buy everything for free. And what does the robot do? So it basically just drives around. It's app controlled. Uh, The kids can program it. They can, uh, you know, add different things to the circuits. Uh, It's a very basic circuit so that they can add like sensors and things to it. But it's very simple because of its price point. But the kids often will afterward program it, add different details to it, decorate it. It's really cool. Chase their pets around with it. <laughs> That's awesome. So they, they have like a tablet or a smartphone and they mm-hmm. use that to control the, the robot, huh? Is it basically yeah. like a, a simple remote control car? Yeah, yeah. And 
Um, a lot of the kids I work with don't have access to things like Wi-Fi, so there's also an autonomous-ish mode in it. I say ish because there's no sensors on it. Okay. Um, and it's like a pre-loop that they can put on and it'll drive around and they don't need access to Wi-Fi, but they can still assemble and wire a robot. That's fantastic. So I know that you work a lot with uh, indigenous communities and minorities. Uh, the robot kits, uh, can can anyone buy them or do you have to be, you know, one of these uh, communities to, to purchase one? So I have a form on my website where people fill it out and I do it on a need-based basis because I'm the one manufacturing all of the robots by myself. You are um, doing all of these by yourself? Yeah, it's, wow, it takes a lot of so time. Wow, so much work. Yeah, I did an event for Dasso Systems, and we put on a 3D experience for good event, and we assembled in one day 150 robots to donate to kids. And the prep work for that took a month. <laughs> I, I believe it. That's a lot I, of work. I've never soldered so much in like a weekend, <laughs> uh, but it was so much fun. It was great to see um, where the robots went afterward. They went to an environmental program at a tribal college in Washington. They went to an indigenous Girl Scouts team, all different types of amazing organizations. I heard that you had shipped over 4,000 of these things. And I was thinking yeah. to myself, she's probably got some kind of supply chain set up. This is sophisticated. No. So impressive. I'm working it on it. It is still <laughs> impressive. But you're doing this all by yourself, which arguably is more impressive that you've been able to handle all that while juggling all these other things that we're going to get into here in a few minutes. But wow, yeah, congratulations. That's fantastic. Is, thank you. It's been a lot to manage. And I'm actually working on coming up with a sustainable financial and uh, manufacturing model so that I can get more robots out there. I yeah. want to get uh, out around 400,000 robots a year. And so that's the goal that I'm actively working towards with things like a wave soldering machine, better 3D printers that are industrial uh, better materials, and ensuring that my filament that I print in is made out of recycled plastic, which is what I do right now. I use a Sindo printer, and so all of my robots are made out of recycled plastic, and PLA is biodegradable as well. So I try to make my robots as sustainable as possible so that we're leaving as small of an impact on the earth as possible. Sure. Yeah. Phenomenal. Okay. So uh, going back just a second here, if if someone wants to get one of these kits, they fill out the form yep. and then it's you evaluate kind of on an as-need basis if, yeah. uh, if you can send one out. Yeah. I prioritize organizations that are serving indigenous students as well okay. as organizations that are serving LGBTQ plus students. Got it. And yeah. one day, are we going to see these on Amazon so we can just hop over there and buy one? That would be really cool. I hope so. I'm actually writing a few books right now, and so hopefully those will be on Amazon. Okay. All right. Terrific. Let's see. Um, the it, it seems like these robots would be just a fantastic way for, for kids right now to occupy themselves, right? Especially mm -hmm. since we're, we're in COVID right now. School yeah. has started, but most classes are, are virtual still. Kids are learning from home. Have you seen kind of a spike or a, a sharp rise in demand for these kits? Oh, yeah. I actually started a COVID a robotics initiative through my organization where we've been teaching classes quite frequently on everything from biology to chemistry to an engineering panel. And I also started an Ecker initiative where I ship, I tested a distribution model that I've never done before, shipping robots individually instead of class sets or event sets. Okay. Uh, I put it in an envelope. I give the kids stickers that I designed and I package it all up. I ship it out to each uh, kid and then I teach Zoom classes and 
usually in two sessions, and we assemble the robots together. And it is very difficult, don't get me wrong, teaching electrical engineering online is the hardest thing I have ever done in my life. To, to kids, right? Yeah, most of the kids that I've had are in middle school for this program specifically. And it's been a lot of fun, actually. The kids are awesome. The program serves all minority students and the Ecker program that I just started, uh, I mean, a few months ago, time is weird right now, but uh, that served all indigenous or black students or both. And that was really cool. Your LinkedIn page is really interesting because I I use LinkedIn to prepare for these podcasts to kind of learn about the guest and formulate some questions. And usually uh, the guests on our show will have kind of a, a lengthy career history, right? Mm -hmm. I worked here. I did this. I worked there. I did that. And then maybe they'll have like one or, or maybe two volunteer roles. <laughs> and yours is completely opposite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, First of all, at 19, I'm impressed that you have any career experience, but you do, both at, <laughs> at your Steam Connection as well as a company that we'll talk about in a few minutes just a bit, mm -hmm. uh, working as a PCV designer. So you, you do have some legitimate career experience. But then in the volunteer section, it's like a novel. Like, <laughs> it's so long. There are so yeah. many things there. And uh, I, I was hoping that you could share... Maybe what are one or two of the more rewarding or interesting or fulfilling volunteer experiences that you've been able to be a part of? Well, one of my favorite things to do is MC at different robotics competitions. And I haven't been able to do that for a while just because of traveling in the pandemic. Yeah. But it is so much fun. Often when you go to an event, they're a bit understaffed and volunteers. So I end up being the robot inspector, the manager, the let's put the tables here person, the MC, uh, you know, playing that role. And it's a lot of fun seeing the kids get their robots. Often some of them are building them the day of. So it is so cool to like help them get that robot on the field and to see them compete. It is the best feeling in the world. And I, I miss it so much, as well as my students. Everything we've been doing is virtual. And I'm like, I want to see you guys. Yeah. Um, but that is really cool. And I recommend that everyone volunteer for a first robotics competition event or for a first tech challenge event. They're what in is, uh, every state. What are some state. easy ways that people can, can do that? If you go to firstinspires.org, you can see a list of different events that are coming up, as well as ways to volunteer. All you need to do is pass a background check and fill out some of your information, and you can start volunteering. Terrific. That's great. All right. Well, this is maybe a good place to take a quick pause and uh, share with the listeners that the Being an Engineer podcast is powered by Pipeline Design and Engineering, where we work with medical device engineering teams who need turnkey custom test fixtures or automated equipment to assemble, inspect, characterize or perform verification or validation testing on their devices and you can find us at testfixturedesign.com. We're speaking today with Danielle Boyer who is an entrepreneur, author, activist and inventor and on top of all that a college student as well. So let's talk just a little bit about that. You are double majoring in electrical engineering and mechanical engineering. Uh, has has the past 10 years learning about robots and technology kind of on your own, how has that equipped you uh, to, to major in engineering at college? I mean, ha, I, I wonder, has have a lot of the college classes been like just super easy for you? Like you're thinking to yourself, this is so, why are they even teaching this? You know, this is child's play. Or have you been learning a lot of new things as well? 
Honestly, the learning process can be very difficult for me, especially as someone who was homeschooled for most of her life. I So the teaching environment is entirely different than what I've been used to up until I was in the middle of my sophomore year and transferred into high school or, you know, public school. And so it's really hard even learning how to write in a way that professors like or to even sit still through a lecture. <laughs> and and I also have a learning disability. So combined with that, it has definitely been a huge learning curve and a okay. very well, tearful. Yeah, like ADHD or something? Yes, I have ADHD. So it has been a very uh, difficult experience for sure, but it has been worth it because I've been able to learn more and more about different aspects of engineering that I didn't know about and to learn like different CAD softwares that I wasn't using and to, you know, meet other people in engineering and especially my age, which doesn't happen often, to be honest. Uh, Most of the events I attend, I'm the youngest person there. And with my students, I'm the oldest person there usually. So it's good to meet some people in the middle. But I am also minoring in physics. So it's it's a whole lot of coursework. I my took goodness. I took 19 credits um, semester before last. I took a semester off like last semester. I'm taking classes now in the summer. But I I needed a minute to do some of my projects. I was traveling for a month. And that was really cool. I loved that. It was right before the virus, too. So I got all of the traveling out of my system before being locked in the house for <laughs> a really long time. Um, But that was a really cool experience. And yeah, 19 credits, I don't recommend to anybody. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do yeah, that. Yeah, and this is while you're also CEO of the Steam Connection and yep. ostensibly volunteering at various organiz- organizations. So with with everything you're doing and... I'll be the first to admit here that I was on the five-year college plan myself. I mm-hmm. kind of took my time there. That's and great. That was that was only with one engineering major. You were double majoring in, in engineering, plus a minor in physics, plus the STEAM connection and everything else you're doing. How do you find time to to do all of these things? I mean, what is your like? Oh, and, and apparently you are also still uh, part-time working as a PCB designer. So there's mm-hmm. that to throw in the mix as well. How do you find time to do all of this stuff? What's your time management strategy like? Very little sleep, to be honest. Um, That's like the bare minimum, I think, is that you know that you're going to be up all the time, uh, ready to do meetings, calls, everything like that. How many hours do you sleep, you think, each night? Uh, It used to be around two. And now during the pandemic, I can shift things around. So it's more like five, which has been really nice. (laughs) Wow, that is just crazy. So two hours, you could could function on two hours of sleep. Well, see, you need to couple that with things like Red Bull or Monster, which I'm not, I do not advocate. Do not do this. Do not. Yeah, we need to put a yeah. big disclaimer on this, yeah. this episode. We do not endorse two hours of sleep and Red Bull right. to this, sustain your life. This is why I'm a robot teacher and not a health teacher. <laughs> it's like, do, just a big warning of things not to do with Danielle. But yeah, it definitely balancing everything out. I've learned just to not procrastinate, frankly. And I struggle with that sometimes, especially with ADHD. I'm like, woo. Uh, so what I have to do is shut off my phone, not touch any of my apps, <laughs> not uh, watch YouTube. I have to put on some like crazy electronics music or whatever, like electro music, whatever. And I just have to sit there and I have to get my work done and not move until it's done, which can be difficult because I get hundreds of robot requests a day. 
Wow. And I also have a lot of projects. I just won a few awards that we'll be releasing in the next few months. And they can't sell- send film crews, so I have to film the videos myself. Oh, good grief. Wow. <laughs> so, so it's just about, hey, let's not do Netflix right now and let's sit down and get our work done. It yeah. means a lot of when your friends want to hang out, you can't. Yeah. Um, which is kind of sad sometimes, but it's kind of like you, you got to get your work done. And I know that it's for a good cause and that people are learning and that people are benefiting from what I'm doing. So that keeps me going instead of completely burning out and being disappointed. Um, plus but now you're getting five hours of sleep. So that's plenty <laughs> of sleep, right? Plenty. No problem yes. there. Less yeah. caffeine too, which has actually been great. There's, but- there's probably a correlation there, right? With the number of hours <laughs> of sleep and the caffeine negative correlation somehow less headaches to be honest which is sure because you know that can't be good for you you know a ton of (laughs) red bull it just can't but it's it's been a good feeling um to be able to keep up the amount of work that i want to and it also i have some team members all of my uh members are students which is really cool most of them high school students And uh, they help me with some day-to-day activities like social media management, uh, some content creation. And that's been really cool as well. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, I I like that you said turning off your phone is a big thing, right? Just getting rid of all those distractions. I I do the same thing myself when I need to get some deep focus in. Shut down the email, turn off my phone. Sometimes I just go into a quiet room by myself where there are no distractions and get the work done. Um, another question I wanted to ask you about school that I thought would be interesting is what aren't you learning in school that you think you should be, or, or e- even not specific to you that you think generally should be a part of the curriculum to ensure that, you know, students are prepared for industry when they graduate? So I'm actually relatively new in the process. I took a gap year and a semester off. So I've okay. only been in school for what, three semesters total now. So my, you know, a lot of it has been some of the prereqs and things and not as much engineering as I want to be doing. I'm like, please, can I get to the engineering sooner than later? I want to learn all of this fun stuff. So I don't know yet what I should or shouldn't be learning or what I'm missing out on. And of course, it depends on the college as to what they prioritize. And um, I'm not always sure, like, what exactly. And it depends on the professor, too, to be honest. Um so I don't know do what th- I'm missing yet. <laughs> which do you is think a- that you're gonna? Do you think that you're going to graduate from college? Uh okay. So I really would like to, um, <laughs> because I want to pursue a career in research in biorobotics, which is emulating biological organisms either mechanically or chemically. I'm interested in the mechanical emulation aspect, and to do that, you need to have a PhD in it to be able to research. So that is what keeps me going. But I know I keep on getting TV deals from major companies and production deals and, you know, off, I mean, offers, not deals. But so that may take, uh, you know, front seat for a while. So we'll see how everything goes. My parents are definitely like, please finish college. Um, <laughs> but I'm like, oh, my gosh, I want my own TV show. That would be cool because uh. um, a lot of what I do is engineering communication and tech communication. And I'm like, a show is the next thing to do. And everyone's like, no, sit down. (laughs) I'm like, yes, let's do it. (laughs) So yeah, it depends on how my life goes in that direction. I'm trying to focus on finishing a few books right now, actually with a publisher this time, which is exciting. And I'm also finishing another robot that I've been working on, which is top secret, but really exciting. 
And so I've been getting these projects done and hopefully I can get those out of the way before I start in-person classes again and completely die. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my opinion is you can get a lot of good information from college, but the piece of paper at the end, I feel like that is becoming less and less important. Don't get me wrong. I think it still is important, especially for a lot of, of larger organizations, although not all companies like Google and some other massive ones have have said very publicly in the past few years that they are no longer requiring college degrees for Mm -hmm. a lot of their technical positions. So I think that's very cool. Um, I I look at college as a tool, right? A stepping stone, depending on your end goal. The goal is not to get that piece of paper. The goal is to learn the things that you need to learn to move into the next phase of whatever it is that that you want to do. I think that's the goal. I think that's the good, a good goal, but it can definitely be hard to, when a lot of the classes are either super basic or super advanced. Like, for example, we have two intro, uh, major intro to mechanical engineering classes. And one of them just teaches with Lego Mindstorms and the professor's like, go for it, have some fun, learn block coding, right? And then the other professor is like, hey, um, by the end of the class, I want you to have built a working drone. And with no instruction, really just, hey, make a drone. So sometimes that learning process can be forced on you a little bit and other times it's not. So it's it's interesting. I wouldn't always say college is a consistent or even good way to learn all the things you need to know. Um, I think a lot of people do it for that piece of paper because I see it as a kind of like a block, like a gate in the way of my biorobotics research. Yeah, yeah I'm for like, sure it is. I'm like, for I will better or for there. worse, that's true. Yeah, and I wish that wasn't the case. I I wish it was more fun to learn in those environments because they're very stressful. Very, very stressful, especially uh, being a girl in engineering. It's super, super stressful. People single you out to ask oh. questions. The professors single you out. Other students huh. do. Um, often people, when you're put in a group, they're just like, hey, you can do the writing. You really? Know? And, they, and they don't want you to do the engineering. And oh. I often don't mention all my work to my peers <laughs> Because okay. I just, I don't want to bring it up. Sure. Um, and, <laughs> and so often they're like, hey, do the writing. And I'm like, oh, if only you knew. <laughs> if only you knew. Um, uh, but it's, I think it's a good thing to just be nice no matter what, you know, someone's engineering For sure, background. Of course. But yeah, so I definitely see it as, hey, this is a step towards me pursuing biorobotics and having fun robot you know, adventures for the rest of my life, just researching, uh, working, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we've been working on uh, a training program that we call Pipeline Academy mm-hmm. off and on over the years. And our, our motto is doing is better than learning about doing. Yes. And I feel like in college, I did a lot of learning about doing. And again, I, I learned some important things for sure, but I didn't do a whole lot of actual doing. Um, Mm -hmm. and it it sounds like, do you? Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's why I value hands-on learning so much, Yeah, especially with my students and in our school district, sometimes things are prioritized towards getting the scores and less on the actual learning process. And so I try to bring the fun back into engineering because we, I'm in Michigan. It's a very engineering centric state. 
So a lot of the kids are learning those skills, but not in a way they're going to remember or going to enjoy. So I, I work on that, bringing the fun into STEAM. I love and it. the kids have a great time, especially since I just let them go ham and we set things on fire and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> You're sharing all kinds of things that you should not be sharing right now. Setting things on fire, two safety. hours sleep, Red Bull See? fueled. <laughs> See, I, it's a safety, uh, training practice. This is Absolutely. what you shouldn't do. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's how you frame it. Perfect. Um, let's, you, you've worked at a company called Invance Technologies as mm -hmm. a PCB designer for, I think, yeah. over three years now. Yeah. And what have you learned about working in industry that maybe you didn't expect? Um, and, and how have you used those experiences to shape your, your Steam Connection curriculum? I've, just further learned how undiverse it is. Mm. I go to industry events and all I see are white men. And it can be a very isolating and difficult environment. And people, a lot of the jokes are super inappropriate. A lot of the comments are very inappropriate. It's just not an environment that's conducive towards women feeling comfortable or minorities feeling comfortable. So it's only made me want to promote my materials more for people who are often left behind in, yeah. you know, STEAM learning so that we can create our own environments that we feel happy and safe in and not trying to fit into other places. Um, one of the things that I learned about when I was reading through the STEAM Connection website is that there is apparently a SolidWorks for Kids app. Mm -hmm. Oh, and yeah, I, I had, love it. I had no idea that this even existed. This seems like another thing that could be just a great tool for parents trying to keep their kids occupied during the whole COVID learning from home situation. Can you tell us just a little bit about the SolidWorks for Kids app? So the SolidWorks app for kids is one of my favorite resources of all times. It is so, so cool. And I love teaching with it. I teach all the time. I try to fit in it into every single class I teach. Because it gives the kids the skills to continue learning even after my class has ended, especially if it's virtual and they can't take anything home or I don't ship anything out. And it's free, which is awesome. Um, but it is just such a great program because the kids can download their files in STL format and they can 3D print them. They can hook oh, the 3D cool. printer up to the app. And if they don't have a 3D printer, they can print a cube out of their design, which is great because many of my students don't have 3D printers. And there's color by number options. And it's a very detailed program. The kids can make whatever they want. And it is so cool. Um, often does, what I do, does it look like the standard SolidWorks interface, but just kind of dumbed down? No, like no, it looks bit? more um, like their some of their 3D experience platform resources. Okay, it's, is this a a web application? Yes, yes, it's uh, okay. browser based, which is so awesome. You can run it on any any computer. It doesn't need yeah. to be a, a beefy CAD. Even machine. a even a tablet. Cool, which is really awesome. I recommend having a mouse with it. Just you know, CAD. Okay. Um, but it is such a cool resource. And often what I do with my students is I have them say, okay, what do you think a robot should look like or does look like? And I'll have them design their own robots. And then, uh, sometimes we'll render them afterwards as a class, which is really cool. Cool. And, uh, it is so awesome. It is my favorite program. Hands wow. Down. That's great to hear. Uh, I'm going to get my kids hooked on that. I've been oh, trying sure. to get them hooked on SolidWorks. Mm -hmm. Um, and they've, they've, played with it a little bit and they've enjoyed it but they haven't stuck with it so maybe this SolidWorks it, app for kids is a good good gateway drug for them for younger kids i think that's definitely important because 
it can be very difficult to kind of see numbers off the bat and things and say, okay, I don't really know what I'm doing. A lot of the kids I work with, they, they fear math. And I know I even feared math when I was younger. And so um, the SolidWorks app for kids kind of drops that barrier to entry and allows kids to just start creating and start thinking of ideas without thinking, okay, I need to measure everything out, which I think when the kids are getting started is perfect. And it reduces a lot of that fear and anxiety that I see a lot of kids have and that prevents them from ever touching CAD again. Yeah, very cool. Okay. Um, what's What does the future hold for you, Danielle? I mean, 10, 15 years from, from now, what do you think you'll be doing? What do you hope oh, wow. you'll be doing? I thought you meant within the next few months or something. Um, <laughs> further into the future even. Okay, well, I am hopeful to have my PhD in biorobotics and be designing really cool bots. I'm really inspired by like the Velox robot, which was inspired by a cuttlefish. It can go in the water, it can go on the land, it can go on ice, snow, everything like that. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the coolest thing. And it's actually what got me interested in biorobotics to begin with. Um, Harvard's made like a cricket robot. There's origami robots. I'm personally inspired by things like mountain goats and making robots that can go up steep surfaces. So that's what I want to do for the rest of my life is make just crazy robots all the time, whether that's on my own or with a company. That's what I would really like to do. And I have a lot of plans with the STEAM connection. I would like to open college chapters where college students can start teaching their own classes. And I'm actively working on that. I also want to open up different facilities for kids to attend in-person classes. I want to open a STEAM museum for kids to have like their own makerspace and to uh, have different events and, you know, play around with lots of really cool tech and things like dinosaur bones. Um, so I have a lot of plans, a lot of very expensive plans from the sounds of it. Um, but I'm really excited about the future. Uh, well, I'm looking forward to following you. I certainly will be moving forward to see what uh, what you end up doing. I think that'll be exciting just from a spectator standpoint to see what you're able to come up with. Um, uh, how can people get a hold of you? Do you want to share uh, any websites or um, uh, e- email addresses or anything like that if people want to get a hold of you? So you can learn more information at steamconnection.org. And there I have like a place where you can contact me. I have more information on how to get robots if you want to, my free virtual classes, everything like that. And I also have an Instagram at Danielle Boyer. And from there, you can find my link tree where I have like my LinkedIn if you want to stalk my different volunteering background. <laughs> um, I have like a Twitter, everything like that. I even have a TikTok now, which is crazy. It has been really cool. I've been teaching kids about 3D printing and stuff from TikTok. And it is a scary platform. People are brutal. <laughs> I don't know much about TikTok. I feel like an old person, but I have heard that uh, Trump is not a fan of it. So I hope oh, yeah. you're able to continue using that. Yeah, hopefully. It has been really awesome because I've been able to post, like I did a 3D printing repairing video, and that got like 130,000 views. Wow. Which was crazy. I, that I, is crazy. I did not expect it to. And I also have done different videos on like what it's like to be a woman in engineering. I've done different videos on different uh, things you can do with 3D printing, like Nerf guns, glow-in-the-dark 3D prints, stuff like that. And I think it's a really cool platform, especially if you want to influence younger people in uh, Steam. Very cool. And I'm guessing the majority of these were filmed at like 2 a.m. <laughs> actually, no. <laughs> I need good lighting. So, nope. I, <laughs> okay. I actually film those during the day. 
Fantastic. All right. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate you taking some time out to, to talk. And uh, best of luck in, in your you. future endeavors. Thank you so much. I'm Aaron Moncur, founder of Pipeline Design and Engineering. If you liked what you heard today, please leave us a positive review. It really helps other people find the show. To learn how your engineering team can leverage our team's expertise in developing turnkey custom test fixtures, automated equipment, and product design, visit us at testfixturedesign.com. Thanks for listening.